Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the jazz session. I'm Jason Crane. The jazz session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is also available for free in iTunes and at thejazzsession.com, where you'll find two ways to support the jazz session. One is by purchasing your music via the Amazon links that you'll find in the show notes, and the other is using the donate button. You can securely donate via PayPal, and I appreciate it when you do. So this is another in the series of uh, kind of the Dead Sea Scrolls of the jazz session. This is a set of four interviews that were recorded in 2009, and then lost in the dim recesses, the cobwebby folder structure of uh, my laptop, and then my new laptop. And so I have unearthed them uh, through no genius of my own. I just happened upon them and realized, oh my god, I haven't <laughs> aired these interviews, and that's really embarrassing. And so uh, this one is with the members of the Redwood Jazz Alliance, uh, who are doing great things, bringing jazz uh, to some places that might not have it otherwise. So uh, please enjoy this conversation with several members of the Redwood Jazz Alliance. My guests are three of the board members of the Redwood Jazz Alliance. They are Dan Aldag, Michael Eldridge, and Eric Neal. They come from uh, varied backgrounds, but they are united in a love of the music and in bringing it to a, a very particular part of the country. And I'm really glad to have you three guys here to talk about it. Thanks so much for being on the show. Hey, thanks, Jason. Our pleasure. Yeah, so, uh, glad to be here. So, uh, Michael, maybe I'll start with you. Can you just uh, tell us uh, where exactly is the Redwood Jazz Alliance uh, working its jazz magic these days? Well, the Redwood Jazz Alliance is uh, up in a part of far northern California that people refer to as behind the Redwood Curtain. Um, we're in we're in Humboldt County, which is famous for other products besides jazz, um, but we're trying to change that. Uh, it's about mm, five, a good five-hour drive north of San Francisco, and about six or seven hours south of Portland, right on the coast. Tiny little college town. So just by that description, it sounds like it might be a difficult place to get uh, kind of top top flight jazz artists to come and play, and yet... I look at the season just concluded, and I see Donnie McCaslin, Daphne Prieto, Anak Cohen, uh, the trio Fly. I look at the season coming up, I see Dave Douglas, Michael Moore, Myra Melford, Frank Kimbrough. So uh, obviously uh, something is happening there. Uh, you guys are doing something right that is causing these A-list people to go to Humboldt County and play. Uh, how did you get the idea to, to start the Redwood Jazz Alliance, and then how have you been able to attract that level of talent? And anybody oh, can uh, do this is Eric. Uh, it, it was born like uh, like all really good ideas by fatigue, um, a little bit of I believe wine on the on the particular evening in question, um, and a and a little bit of whimsy. You know, we had been living in Humboldt County and driving to Oakland and Portland and San Francisco, sometimes even Los Angeles to see jazz acts that we loved. And one night, uh, there were a number of us all together, and we just, somebody floated the idea, what would it take? How would you get people to come here? We're between all these big cities. Uh, if they're playing in Seattle and Portland, Humboldt's on their way to San Francisco and Oakland and L.A. Uh, could we get them off the road for one night on an off night? 
And, you know, it was just enough of uh, a harebrained idea to seem plausible. We started writing letters to various musicians uh, who we were interested in and who we saw were doing some West Coast swings. And I think the heart of what makes the Redwood Jazz Alliance work, and I think this is true of jazz collectives and societies all over the country, is that the artists love to play. They care about the music. And when you come to them with this, sounds a little uh, high-flown maybe, but when you come to them with a pure heart and say that you love the same thing, you get really good responses. So even when we heard back from people who said, hey, I can't swing at this time, we were still hearing, I'd love to, love to do it another time, uh, really excited by what you guys are doing. And that just kept inspiring us. Uh, and in the very first case, the very first person to say yes is the great jazz pianist Kenny Werner, who lives in, and works mostly in New York. You know, we talked that very first night, the very first show, about the fact that Kenny said yes, and that changed everything. Uh, once he said yes, we were putting on a show, and once we were putting on a show, it felt like we could do it again. And then as we made approaches to other artists, we were saying, hey, we've done this, and we'd like to do it again, and here's what we think makes this unique, and would you like to be a part of it? And we've just been, I think, really uh, blessed by the response of the musicians who get why it's a, a special idea and who want to be part of it. Let's uh, before we go further about the the alliance as an entity. Uh, let's just spend a, a second talking about who you three guys are. Um, you're three members of the board, and there are there are other board members beside the three of you. But Dan, maybe we could start with you and uh, just ask uh, you know what's your what's your background and uh, and how did you come to the Jazz Alliance? Sure, I teach at uh, the university here in Humboldt County, Humboldt State University. I teach in the music department and I lead the jazz group. So I'm uh, the the one member of the board uh, that's probably most active in making jazz music, uh, not just listening to it. And I got involved with the Jazz Alliance because I was part of uh, this group of people who were uh, mostly associated with the university in one way or another, uh, but not necessarily through the music department. Uh, we just become friends, uh, at least in part because of our common interest in the music. Michael Eldridge? Yeah, um, Dan is the one member of the board who's got real musical bona fides. Um, like you said, the rest of us are are the rest of us are amateurs mostly. Um, but I teach English. I teach literature and theory and stuff like that at Humboldt State. Um, and mm, I listen to lots of different kinds of music, but increasingly in the last ten years, different kinds of jazz and improvised music. Um, and like Eric said, you know, I was one of these guys who, every time I, I wanted to hear somebody that I was excited about, um, found myself having to get in the car and drive five hours and get a hotel and like that, and um, I was tired of doing that. So that that's that was the that was the genesis of the group, and that was um, I think, without being too flippant about it, my my main incentive for getting involved and for making this work. And there's really nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and uh, Eric, you next. Uh, yeah, I'm a uh, I'm a lapsed English professor uh, who now I'm a sports writer for ESPN uh, online and in the magazine. And uh, I used to hang out with the cool cats in in the university circle, and they uh, agreed to let me keep tagging along even after I had uh, crossed over into the the world of sports journalism. 
is the the process of choosing the artists who are going to to come is it uh, is it as simple as they're the people who say yes or is does everybody throw names into the ring and there's a vote on them how, how do you guys actually arrive at the list of people to whom you're going to send letters asking them to come for a Redwood Jazz Alliance concert Okay, all right, Dan's going to take this one. Uh, actually, a lot of times it does come down to a vote. You know, we'll all sit around uh, in Michael's office and talk about a bunch of names, and then we put it to a vote, and whichever artists uh, get the most votes, those are the ones we contact first, although we're finding that increasingly we've got artists contacting us. And, you know, at times it's people that we wouldn't even think we could lure to a uh, remote part of the country. will contact us, and we'll say, sure, let's um, find a way to make it work. This is Eric. I just wanted to follow up on what Dan said about uh, the process of selection. It, it really is true that it's more and more become a kind of balance between us identifying some objectives and other people starting to say, hey, we want to do uh, a Redwood Jazz Alliance show. The word of mouth has been terrific, and that's made a big difference for us. Uh, we had a great opportunity to work last year with... Uh, Myra Melford and Marty Ehrlich and Mark Dresser and Matt Wilson. And if you do the six degrees of jazz separation with those four, you hit just about everybody alive with a musical impulse. And to have a great experience with a group like that and you know, for them to like what we were doing and for us to just be gaga over the kind of music that they brought to the area, um, then that starts to put out little feelers all in uh, all over the jazz world and um, it's made a real big difference for us. Some shows we book a little bit more idiosyncratically. We had Uri Kane last year, and that happened because I was in L.A., and Uri was playing a pre-concert at Amoeba Records, the great record store uh, in Hollywood. And uh, I walked up to him and said, uh, I sent you a letter a couple of weeks ago. And he said, oh, my wife loved that letter. And we talked for half an hour, and the next thing you know, Uri Kane was coming to Humboldt County. Uh, so there, every story, every show is a little bit different, but... Uh, we're finding less and less that we have to say, please, 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 and more and more feeling like we're part of a collaboration with the artist. And I do and, notice some uh, some crafty booking because uh, you've you've booked Daphne Prieto, Antonio Sanchez, and Matt Wilson, which that's about seventy percent of the jazz albums. The drummer is on about seventy percent of the jazz albums that come out nowadays. So your your six degrees of jazz separation plan seems to be pretty masterful because there's really there's hardly any records left with other drummers on them. I think if you get Eric Harland, you've probably got almost every album that comes out in a given year, right? So, uh, we're, we're working on him. That's nice. That's good. I, I, oh, go ahead, Michael, please. I, I just wanted to add that one other consideration that plays pretty big in our plans is um, we're, we're chartered as a 501c3 nonprofit whose, whose mission has to do with um, both jazz performance and jazz education. So we know that... Um, Anybody we bring in, not only is it going to be somebody who we're really excited about and who we really want to hear, but it's going to be somebody who's got a reputation as an educator um, because all of our guests put on a concert one night and then the next morning um, they generally come to, to, to the campus of Humboldt State and put on a free workshop, um, both for university students and for the public at large. Um, so that's, that's an important part of our mission and that's an important part of our um, our booking plans too. Wow. Well, what, what a yeah. Just Eric, I just want to add what an added yeah. value that must be for the the Humboldt State students. I mean, they're getting master classes with some of the finest musicians in the world uh, because of this Redwood Jazz Alliance series. Dan, you want to speak to that? Sure. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, because it's, it's my students who are coming to those workshops. Uh, but I want to add that it's not just the Humboldt State students. Those workshops are free and open to the public. And, in fact, we're really getting a terrific mix of uh, both students and non-students, you know, everything from high school kids who are ditching class to come up, uh, not that uh, I'm going to mention any names and get them in trouble, uh, to uh, senior citizens uh, who are coming out. And we find that the workshops are working on several different levels. For the musicians who are there, um, they can ask re- really detailed uh, questions uh, and uh, get some really great information about how better to play the music. And then uh, we've also got uh, people who may not know anything from a technical standpoint about music who are getting just as much and not more out of the workshops, one, because they're, they're really up close with the artist and they get a chance to interact with them on a much more personal level. But the artists have been great, too, about really kind of measuring the room uh, and understanding that they've got a, a really wide uh, audience there and directing some of their comments, you know, specifically to the musicians, you know, in a very technical way and other comments, uh, things that, you know, anybody, whatever their background can understand. And it's been really gratifying for us uh, to have people come up to us after the workshops and tell us what a great experience they've been, uh, whether it's a student musician, you know, who's trying to get to that same level that the artists are at, uh, or someone from the community who doesn't play an instrument at all that's just learned a little bit more about the music and is really thrilled to have gotten some information directly from one of these great artists. Yeah, that sounds incredible. And Eric, I cut you off earlier. Oh, no, I just wanted to follow up on what Dan was saying, that uh, it's been important to us from the beginning to come up with some kind of a model that is available to as many people in the community as possible. And so the free workshops have been a big part of that, and involving university students has been a big part of that. And we, from the very first days, said, we're going to have a set price for tickets, and it's going to be low. And that's going to mean that we can't pay top dollar for these artists to come. So we try to uh, arrange other kinds of features to the weekend that... uh, that make it worth their while, the first of which is a really attentive and enthusiastic audience. And then we've had just a tremendous response from local community uh, business owners, uh, people who own lodging in town, people who own restaurants in town, all making donations to the cause. And it has grown to feel like it's not just the seven of us on the Redwood Jazz Alliance board who pull these shows off anymore. Uh, but but the whole of the community, and uh, that's just been incredibly gratifying for us. Well, it, it really it sounds amazing, and uh, the the picture that you guys have painted of it is very utopian. So let's let's just pull back the curtain for a second and ask, how is it possible to keep this funded? I mean, just you described Humboldt uh, County and the the town that you're in as a small college town. I mean, where does the audience come from? How how do you make enough money, even as a nonprofit, just to keep this thing afloat? Um, well, this is Michael. That's um, that's a that's a mystery to us that we don't want to delve into too deeply. Um, <laughs> pay, no, pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Um, it's um, the important thing is that it's working. But I, but I think what Eric said is true. It, it's really working because um, partly because this is such a small community. There's a real sense of pulling together to, um, you know, to, to bring interesting stuff here, to, uh, to raise the cultural profile of the area, to, um, to do anything to enhance and diversify the cultural scene. The audiences, audiences here are really, really appreciative. 
and businesses and professionals in particular have been really supportive um, about what we're doing, even though there are a million other little nonprofits um, around here, and um, probably in any given week, a small business owner sees, you know, a dozen people like us coming to them with hat in hand um, for for a touch. Um, they've still really stepped up, and we must have had, I don't know, three dozen um, businesses and professionals. Mm, supporting our programming last year and and making it possible. And then, you know, we've got um, a certain number of, of people in our audience who can afford to, to pay more than the cheap ticket who will also um, chip in with donations and memberships and so on. So, you know, with everybody pulling together, we've, for three seasons now, we've made enough to get through the season and then some you know, and, and seed the next one. So, I mean, I, I think it's it's just simply community spirit. Michael, can people subscribe to the entire series in any season, or do they? is it just single-show single tickets? We tried doing season tickets for the first time last year and didn't get a whole lot of takers, um, partly because it was so new, probably, um, partly because, I don't know, maybe people are scared to commit um, for that many, but we're going to try that again this year. Eric, uh, earlier when you were speaking, you used the word objectives when you were talking about uh, artist selection, and I, I want to delve a little more into that. Is there a kind of sure. a guiding philosophy or uh, a musical philosophy that, that underlies uh, the people that you book? Boy, that's a tough one, and we sometimes wrestle with it, too. I, I think the short answer is uh, look at the calendars we've been able to put together and, and some of the artists that you mentioned by name and you start to get a feel for the aesthetic. We try not to limit it very much. We try to imagine, uh, for lack of a more elegant term, a kind of second tier below the really big names that would play you know, your whatever your university art center is or whatever your big town art center is that would draw... Uh, a really wide mainstream audience, we try to leave those artists as much as we respect and appreciate and enjoy what they do to that crowd and carve out something um, on the strata just below that. And and beyond that, we try not to be really specific about what it needs to sound like. We want to hear, uh, you know, it's, it's the old uh, Whitney Ballet line about the sound of surprise. Uh, we care about a kind of adventurous uh, creative spirit. We want to be working with some artists who are taking some risks, who are bringing together some uh, schools of of thought and of music, uh, some cultural impulses that maybe you wouldn't expect to be in combination. We've been having ongoing conversations with um, Benny Malpin and hoping to arrange a show fairly soon, and Benny's been really invested in uh, some of the ancient uh, musics of Poland and is working with some artists there. And we love that kind of thing. Like, huh? Haven't heard that before. Wonder what that sounds like. What kind of uh, what kind of energy is coming out of that exploration? And I think uh, that's as as close as we get to, to really defining what it sounds like for us. Dan, where are your concerts held? We have uh, several different venues that we use, uh, partly dependent on on the particular artist and where we think they're going to sound best, and partly, of course, just dependent upon availability. 
Um, most of our concerts have been happening on the Humboldt State campus uh, in the recital hall and the music building, which seats uh, 200 people. Uh, we've got uh, another room uh, in the Student Union, the University Center, uh, that seats uh, up over 300, uh, depending on how you uh, set up seats in there, that we've used as well. And then we've got uh, the uh, Art Museum in Eureka, which is uh, the town just 10 miles south of Arcata, where the university is located. Uh, the Art Museum, the Morris Graves Museum of Art, uh, has got a really nice uh, rotunda space uh, where we've done some smaller groups, uh, piano trios, uh, and things like that. It just sounds fantastic in there where we can do things with, you know, completely uh, without any sort of sound reinforcement, you know, nothing but acoustic sound, and it sounds great in there. And I should just say, Dan, this is Michael again, that we, we'd be remiss if we didn't include in, uh, in uh, if we didn't give a fairly prominent place in our list of supporters um, to Humboldt State University, because not only do we have a, a kind of ongoing partnership with the music department um, that gives us access to on-campus venues, but um, various administrative offices on campus have also been really generous in their support. Um, last year, the president's office and the provost's office and the, the dean of our college basically made it possible for us to put on those free workshops that we were talking about. Well, the whole thing sounds uh, really amazing. I applaud you for uh, for doing what you're doing and, and bringing jazz to uh, really to any place is fantastic, and especially to a place that's kind of caught between uh, a bunch of markets. It, it sounds very, very exciting. Uh, I thank you all uh, very much for being here, Dan Aldag, Michael Eldridge, and Eric Neal uh, from the Redwood Jazz Alliance, uh, and there will be links to the Redwood Jazz Alliance website at thejazzsession.com. Thank you uh, all so much uh, for coming here and, and talking about this amazing project. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. My thanks to the Redwood Jazz Alliance for participating. You'll find them on Facebook, and you can learn more about them by clicking the links in the show notes at thejazzsession.com. I'm Jason Crane. This is The Jazz Session, presented by allaboutjazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is also available for free at thejazzsession.com and in iTunes. My thanks to the Respect Sextet for the theme music to this program. You'll find them online at respectsextet.com. Thanks also to Dave Vrabel, who designed the Jazz Sessions logo, and who you really should follow on Twitter. And uh, if I knew his Twitter address off the top of my head, I would tell you how to do that. Next time, on the next show, it'll give you a good reason to tune in. I'll have Dave Vrabel's Twitter address. That's it. Go out and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can. Come back next time for another conversation about jazz right here on the Jazz Session. Thank you for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.